that to keep in front of you that I'm telling you, if you believe, you'll receive. I say it that way, and I'll say it to each of you. If you believe, you're going to receive. I'm not going to say, well, you might, or it's possible, or, you know. No, I'm telling you, well, I, well, I know somebody that did and didn't. No, you don't base it upon anybody else. I'm telling you, if you believe, you're going to receive. Now, we know, and without, I can't go back and re-preach all the messages that I've preached over the last couple of weeks, as well as on Wednesday nights, trying to tie into this. But Jesus had promised his disciples that it was expedient that he would go away. Because he said, if I don't go away, then the comforter will not come. He said, but if I go away, he said, I will pray the Father and he will give you the comforter. And thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can remember in Acts chapter number 1, Jesus was speaking with his disciples, perhaps from the very mountain of olives of which he would ascend into the presence of God uh, perhaps that very same day when he instructed them to tarry at Jerusalem until they would be endued with power from on high. He said, for you've been baptized with water. He said, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And thus it sets the precedence for us doctrinally to teach you that though there is an experience in faith that we call regeneration. And in that regeneration, God breathes in your spirit and you receive the Holy Spirit. And you're born again. Without the born again spirit of God on the inside of you, the born again spirit of man joined to the spirit of God. Romans 8 says you're not any of his. You have to be born again. Jesus said it this way, you must be born again. And so, but it is our belief that that is not the one and singular and only work of the Holy Spirit. But that you can be born again and you should be born again, but there is a subsequent work of the Holy Spirit where you're baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And what we believe as Pentecostals is, is that when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, classical, traditional Pentecostal doctrine is that it will be evidence. We call this the initial physical evidence that you will speak with other tongues. It does not mean that you won't prophesy. It doesn't mean that you won't have other gifts. But it means that just as when we baptize somebody in water, they are wet. This is the identifying point that we could say, yes, now you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a controversial doctrine, and not everybody believes in it. I personally do believe in it, and I encourage you in that mode and in that manner. That's the identifying point for me. When I knew that the power of God had come upon my life is when I did speak in other tongues. Now, this also, though, is the point of controversy. That's the thing that's confusing to a lot of people is the, the, the speaking in other tongues. Some people are turned off by it. Some people are turned away from it. Some people believe in it but are afraid of it. Some people enjoy it that you speak in other tongues, but they are, they, they are fearful of it themselves. But I want to so teach you if I can. I believe in both preaching and teaching, but I want to teach you concerning understanding speaking in other tongues because I want it to be something that, number one, if you're already baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to maximize that work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to learn to yield to that indwelling Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you and exercise the gift of tongues and speaking in other tongues on a regular basis. But if you're not, and you've just been in that point of, man, should I or shouldn't I? I want this to be something that you so value, that you say, God, it's like the pearl of great price. I'll sell all to buy it, to buy that field. I just got to have it in my life. And you heard Brother Olsen in the testimony. He had been preaching for 19 years, longing for something that was available, but he didn't know what exactly it was. It was only when he came face-to-face -face in contact with 
a, a, the bona fide work of the Holy Spirit? Did it release him of that tradition so that he could embrace the work of the Holy Spirit in his life? And I just want to see that for you. Right? I mean, I'm saying that, and this is not all that we stand for as a church, and this is not all that we preach about. And every time you come to our church, I'm not preaching to you about speaking in other tongues. We teach a lot of diverse doctrine here at our assembly. But at the same time, I will not be the church, and I will not be the pastor, that speaking in other tongues or the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something way, way down on the list, on the back page, somewhere of what we believe that was, well, we used to do this, but we're no longer. See, my life was too radically altered. I went back and I heard the testimony that I gave you last week. My life was radically altered when I was 17 years of age and I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I was not the same after that moment. And I want to encourage you, it will produce a change in your life. But I was hungry for it. I longed for it. I wanted it. I put myself in an environment so there was an agitation of faith inside me. And when that agitation of faith released the blessing of God upon my life, then I received. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to believe and you'll receive. Let me take a moment of time to expound. I've kind of blended a couple of messages that I've preached in days gone by. One was called the logic of speaking in other tongues. The other is called the power of speaking in other tongues. I want to first briefly touch on the logic. Have you ever thought about that? People that don't believe call this gibberish. They call it illogical. They, they say things like this. Well, it's been proven scientifically. I, I went on the internet. I did the, 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 the infamous Google search. You know, you never know what's going to pop up. And so one, one author was saying this and saying it's been shown scientifically that it's just a mimic behavior. You're just, learn, you're just repeating what you've heard somebody else say. Now, let me just go and talk about that for just a moment. Even if it was, I don't believe it is. Do you? I don't believe that. But let me ask you this. Isn't all languages? <laughs> Come on, I wasn't born speaking English. I lived in a home with parents. And didn't I learn it? That, so even if it was, even if this thing wasn't of divine utterance, then that, couldn't, shouldn't, that shouldn't disqualify it because all languages have been learned by hearing somebody else. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 10, there are so many different kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification or meaning. And I did research on this and I've shared this in days come by. There are approximately 7,000 known languages. And if we take the English language, there's approximately 1 million words in the English language. And if you combine that and, and you do the math on that and you see of how many known words there are in the world today, let me say this to you today. There's one who understands all of them. Let me tell you, there's one that's not confused. There's a God in heaven that doesn't matter whether you're speaking Japanese, Indonesian, whether you're speaking Broken English like I do, it doesn't matter. God is not up there going, oh, my gosh, somebody get, the, somebody get me a translator up here. I'm telling you, remember this. God confounded the languages of men at Babel. And, and, and when man walked away confused, there was one who was not confused. God could understand every dialect. And dialects continue to grow in, in every culture. 
Every culture, languages go through changes. Think about the English language. If I preach in the perfect English language of 500 years ago, you couldn't understand a word I said hardly. It's tough enough on you when I read from King James English and quote from it. And so there are changes within the languages. But let me say this. God is the one that has confounded the languages at Babel, and God is the one that understands the individual languages. Let me tell you what, speaking in other tongues is, in essence, in one sense, comparable to speaking in a known language. Let me tell you what, a word or language is an expression of the heart. That's all it is. It's an expression of the heart. Why is that so important to help you embrace the reality of speaking in other tongues? It's this reason right here. David, the psalmist, said this. He said in Psalm 44, he said, God knows the secrets of the heart. Number two, he said in Psalm 139, verse number two, he said, my thoughts, God, you know from afar off. And then he said in 139, verse number four, he said, before a word is formed on my tongue, God, you know it all together. And you say, Pastor, why is that so important to helping me embrace the uh, validity of speaking in other tongues? And that is because a word that you speak in tongues is unknown to your natural mind. But it is an expression of your heart. And there's a God in heaven that can understand the expression of your heart. And that's so important for us today. Because there are times that even in prayer, you can't even get a word out. You can't even, Hannah couldn't even open her mouth and make her petition known to God. And Eli the priest couldn't hear an audible sound out of her mouth. But there was a God in heaven that could look all the way down into the recesses of her soul and saw that she was longing for a child. And he spoke a prophetic word through, as I preached a few weeks ago through the pathetic priest. And a few weeks later, she's conceived life inside of her. Let me tell you today, you got to get past this, I don't understand it. Paul said, my understanding is unfruitful. I don't know what I'm saying, but that doesn't mean what I'm saying doesn't have meaning, doesn't have value. There's probably some of you are bilingual in here today. Some of you may know a, a, a couple of additional languages, perhaps even more. But let me say this to you today. Even with that, you don't know 7,000, but God does. He's not confused. And so with that, the Holy Spirit prays through us the perfect will of God. So tongues may be known dialects. I believe that. I believe that as we heard there by the testimony, that when someone speaks in another tongue, it might be a known dialect. But it also may be words or sentences of multiple dialects. That's what I believe. I believe if it's the Spirit of God praying through me the will of God, He can search all 7,000 known languages. And God may speak a word through me out of a, an Indian language or a Chinese or a Japanese or Indonesian. And he's praying through me the perfect will of God. Because God sees the heart and understands the heart. Paul also said that the tongues may be tongues of angels. Now there's a gift of tongues that's for public ministry that must be accompanied by interpretation. I can't go into all that today to edify the body as a whole. I want to talk today for a few short minutes about the private use of tongues the private use of speaking in other tongues is that all right does that make sense today the private use what we call the prayer language now if you get your uh if you go online and you go to blue letter bible and you google search the prayer language you're not going to find it 
It's not in the New, it's not in the New Testament, King James, but it's, it's a doctrine that comes from principles that I'm going to highlight for you here today. I want to share with you some things just very quickly about the private prayer language that when you have the evidence of speaking in other tongues in your life, that you need to maximize this moment. You need to exercise this to the glory of God because of the things. Let me share with you real quickly some things that I've studied out over the years. Number one is that you will do it. 1 Corinthians 14 and 10. The Spirit of God does not come upon you and move your tongue for you. The Spirit of God doesn't hover over you in the sense that angels' wings are flapping and the movement of air causes the tongue in your mouth to begin to flap back until there's audible noises. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Jojo said that'd be pretty awesome, though. I mean, that's not how it happens. Paul said, let's go to this verse right here, verse number 15 of the 14th chapter. He said, what is it then? I will pray in the Spirit. Read it slowly. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray in my understanding. I will pray. Now, I could ask any of you to pray in your understanding, and you could pray in your understanding. You say, Father, I just thank you today for this service. I thank God for a handsome pastor. I thank God for these semi-handsome associate pastors. And you could pray a prayer like that. That would be in your understanding. But Paul is showing you that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can pray in the Spirit the same way you can pray in your understanding. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to come over you and shake you and move you. It's not an emotion. It's a work of the Spirit that He's already given you, and now you speak with other tongues. So you can pray in your understanding, and you can pray in your spirit. And I use this analogy often to describe it. You can stand before your sink in the morning, and you can have cold water on the right side and hot water on the left, and you decide which one to turn on. And that's the way it is when you're praying in the Spirit. You can pray in your known language, and you can also pray in your understanding. But you have to do the praying. Number two, real quickly today, I've already said this, but let me bring clarification. When I pray in the Spirit, I don't understand what I'm saying. 1 Corinthians 14 and 14 says, my understanding is what? Read it with me. I want you to be convinced of it. It's unfruitful, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have meaning. I could have somebody stand here. How, is there anybody in the room that understands? Is it Mandarin? How do you say it? Mandarin? Mandarin Chinese? Does anybody here speak fluently? I know you know how to order uh, noodles and chicken, but that doesn't count. Is it nobody? Well, we could have a, a, a Chinese brother right here preaching his guts out, and it'd be in a perfect language, the world's most spoken language, by the way, and yet you wouldn't understand anything. Your understanding would be unfruitful. Just because it's unfruitful doesn't mean it doesn't have meaning and doesn't have power. You've got to understand that's where faith comes in. Number three, by faith, I understand Romans 8 and 26, that I'm praying the will of God. I love this one. This is one that was an inspiration to me when I was a younger man in the, in the ministry. Romans 8 and 26 says this, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit of God, look at this, but the Spirit of God maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You say, well, he says he can't be uttered. If you look that word up in the original language, P.C. Nelson, which was the original founders of the Southwestern Bible College of the Assemblies of God down in Tyler, Texas, said that it also can be interpreted or understood. Not necessarily uttered, but understood. 
So let's add one other verse of Scripture to this, or three verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. We're going to just read them very, very quickly. It says, As it is written, eye has not seen, nor has it uh, ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But look at verse number 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For what? For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. But look at verse number 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And so I titled this little uh, part here, the will of God. You don't always know what to pray for. Because if it's dependent upon you in your rational mind, sometimes you will pray in a carnal mindset, a selfish mindset. Joe said it a few moments ago. It was a spiritual selfishness, but he said, I'm going to pray a selfishness. We want to see it in our midst. But many times, personally, we're praying about things, and we're praying about it in the sense of from our selfish perspective. But when you yield to the Holy Spirit... He's praying through you the perfect will of God. So when I don't know how to pray about it, how many of you ever had a situation when you said, man, I don't even know how to pray about this thing? I know I've heard that from many of you, and I've said it myself. I can't get peace about this. I don't know what direction to take. I don't even know whether I should ask this of God. Then you know what you do in that moment when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you pray in other Come on, you pray and you say, God, I'm going to trust that the Spirit of God is praying through me the perfect will of God. Does that make sense? Number four, as I pray. Now, is that a negative thing? Is that a selfish thing that's on the screen in front of you? I am edified. Now, the gift of tongues is to edify the church. But Paul said that when you pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, You edify yourself, 1 Corinthians 14 and 4. You edify yourself. If you speak in an unknown language, you edify yourself. When you prophesy, you're edifying the church. I'm telling you, there's a place in your life. What does the word edify mean? It means to be built up. Let me give you an example of it in the natural. Now, I know that you're aware of this already. But Pastor Brown does not go to the gym and work out on weights. Yeah, I know you're going, well, Pastor, that is so obvious here. I know. I do not. But I have sons that do. And so they'll slip away for two or three hours at a time. Matter of fact, let me give you an example of this. Austin was home for that one day, Joe. He was upstairs. Aaron had come in. He hadn't seen his brother yet. He went downstairs, and this is in the house that's not finished with the studded walls and everything, but there was a weight set down there. And he pulled the weights out, and he's cranking the weights up, and he's hanging on the boards, and he's, because this is his words, he wanted to get jacked up before he went up there. So he went up there, his brother could see how he was all like that right there. <laughs> They'll slip away for two or three hours at a time. They'll get in a room somewhere, and we'll, they call it pumping iron, right? And you know what happens? They get built up. And then they'll watch their diet, what they're putting in their bodies. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and, they'll, and they'll do it all so that when they come out of that moment, there's a change in their appearance. 
Let me tell you, when you go to a prayer closet and you begin to speak in a heavenly language, something begins to work on the inside of you. You get edified, built up in your most holy faith. I said to you last week, I said, I hear a lot about burnout in ministry. People talk about, well, I was burnt out in ministry, and I, so I gave up, or I needed this. And, and I told you that I've been pastoring now for 20-something years and preaching for 30 years, and I've never been burnt out. And you say, Pastor Brown, what's the key to it? It's because I learned i got to get alone with God. When I said it this way, and I'll say it again, when there's nobody to pat me on the back and whisper in my ear and saying, keep on the firing line, you know what I can do? I can get alone with God, and I can get my praise on and my worship on, and I can be like David. Come on, I can lift up a praise, and out of my own belly will begin to flow a river of living water. I like what John Wesley said. They said, John Wesley, why are the crowd so big coming out to hear you preach? He said, I don't know. He said, I just set myself on fire for God, and people came just to watch me burn. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but I believe I can edify myself in the Spirit of God and grow stronger every day as I pray. Let me tell you this. I'm declaring the mysteries of God. I'm declaring the mysteries of God. That's a powerful thing right there. Let's read this verse right here, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, if we can. 1 Corinthians 14 and 2. It says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. But look at this. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. What does that mean? And I can already see what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut this message in half today, and I'm going to finish it next week because I want time at the altar because I want time to pray with you. Now, two weeks from now, it's going to be Father's Day, and I've got to shift. I've got to shift to another direction. I can do this one more Sunday, and we're going to pray for people tonight in the prayer service. We're going to just pray that God will intercede. We intercede, but we also pray for each other because we've got to make room for it. We have to make room for it. It will change your life. Changes your life. This fifth point here is Paul said we declare the mysteries of God. What does that mean? The Amplified Bible says it this way. He said he utters. Now let's put it, go, go back to that second verse if you would real quickly. I'd like to read it there. He that speaketh in unknown tongues speaketh not unto men but unto God for no man understandeth him. However in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. So let's pick it up here. How be it in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Here's this same phrase in the Amplified Bible. He says here in the Amplified, it says he utters secret truths and hidden things that are not obvious to the understanding. Hidden truths. Let's come down. Let's wrap this up and think about that for a moment of time. I believe in building up faith. I believe in the spirituality of the development of your faith, don't you? I just believe that. Faith can grow. Faith has to grow, right? And, and, and faith has to be edified and built up. I mean, it's just like anything. If you don't edify and build up something, what's it going to do? Decay and decline. So faith has to be put into a cycle of a life of regeneration. Am I making sense? Of regeneration. There's a regeneration that has to take place. And the Romans chapter number 10 gives us a little brief picture. It says, faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing 
and hearing by the Word of God. So let's try to put that together. Faith is the capacity to believe. Faith is the capacity to trust God, to rely upon the Lord, to believe God for anything in your life, whatever's necessary, whatever you need at that moment. It's trusting God. It's a belief. Correct? Right? It's sometimes it's believing in, but it's more than believing in. It's believing for. Anybody can believe in something, but you, it's a, quite a difference than believing in. You believe for something. Does that make sense? That's trusting God, relying upon God, putting all of your expectation in what God said. And so as a believer, our belief is this. We believe that the promises of God are yes and they are amen. We believe that the word of God is the voice of God and it is synonymous with God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Does that make sense? John chapter number 1, verse number 14 then says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Right? Thank God for the word of God. So the writer Paul, who heard unspeakable words when he was in the presence of God and uh, in a trance, the scripture says that he's teaching us, your faith comes by hearing the word of God. So it's built up and you become established and rooted in faith. Well, if all your faith ever gets exposed to is this 45-minute message that I give you once a week, you're going to be shallow in faith. You're not going to have any depth. You're not going to be able to withstand trial. And you're certainly not ever going to be able to believe God for anything beyond just the things that are within the closest reach of your faith. And so, but when you pray in the Spirit, let's think about that for a moment. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. You say, well, in my mind, though, I don't understand those things. But see, my Spirit works when my mind does not understand. Did y'all hear that? Your spirit responds to things that may be even separate from your mind. And so when you're praying in the spirit, let me just say this, you are audibly at times declaring worship to God in another language. You're declaring the wonderful works of God, number two. Isn't that what they heard them say on the day of Pentecost? We hear them in our own languages declaring the wonderful works of God. And so as you're declaring the wonderful works of God, as you pray in the Spirit, then what's happening is then your spirit, the faith inside your spirit, it's a regeneration. Does that make sense? It's a recycling. As you declare the Word of God, as the Spirit gives you the utterance, your faith is edified and built up because it's hearing the Word of God. No, y'all not catching what I'm saying. I just, let me go farther. That's how when I go to my prayer chamber and I just pray and I worship God. Now, it works in the natural language as well. How many know you can encourage yourself in the Lord in your natural language? How many of you have ever just quoted a psalm or spoke the word or just read it audibly? I'll tell you, I'll get along with God. I'll just read it out loud. I'll read it out because I want to hear it. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I'm trusting that when I'm praying in the Spirit, the Spirit has searched the deep things of God and is speaking them audibly through me. And my faith is hearing it, and he's growing, and he's getting stronger, and he's trusting God. And that's why you can go to prayer like this, and you can come out like this right here. 
right? You could come out because you've been strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of you. Church family, this power of the Holy Spirit and the gift of speaking in other tongues can't be lost in the transition of the church. And if we're not careful, we will lose it. One day, if, we're not, if there's not a change in the American Pentecost, not worldwide, man, you go to, to what happens in Honduras? Everybody is Shatakaya Mosian, aren't they? I'm telling you, it ain't in the back corner somewhere, is it? It's not in just, uh, you know, no, it's, I'm telling you, they've just embraced it and they're running with it. But what's happening in the American church is we want to look cool. We got a certain look. We got a certain people. And we don't want anybody to think we're odd or weird. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you're weird, after the Holy Spirit came upon you, you were weird before the Holy Spirit came on you. <laughs> Because he's not produced that in you. Listen, I don't care. I want to say this. I speak in other tongues. I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said as I close today, Aaron, do you care to join? I'm not on the platform, but you do. We appreciate Aaron, don't we? Sometimes on Sunday nights, he plays for an hour at a time. So we can pray. And we appreciate all of our musicians. And all that they do for us. I said this last week. And I want to reiterate it today. I, I, I learned. I had to learn this. I had to learn years ago. I can't base the full effect. Of this message. On what happens in the next 15 minutes. Can't do it. If I do I'll quit. Then I would fall into that trap of burnout. Because I'd get frustrated. Because if I think I have to see the fruit of it. Immediately. Jesus walked away from a fig tree, walked away, said something to it, and walked away. They thought he was out of his mind until the next day the fig tree was dried and withered away. I'm going to believe God to pray with people today. But see, I believe it's a ripple effect. We cast in the pebble, and it's going to spread. Some of you are going to go home, and you're going to be private time. Some of you are going to be driving some of you are going to be just alone in your house like I was in 1986. And then the Spirit of God's going to come on you. It's not about us just saying, oh man, it happened today at this time. It's a matter of, it's, did it happen? That's what we want. Now we want it to happen. We want things to happen today, certainly. But we're not going to walk away dejected because we're going to trust that you heard the Word of God. Let me tell you, church family. It would radically alter the spiritual DNA of our church if all of us, if all of us were either baptized in the Holy Spirit or seeking the baptism. One of two things, because when you're seeking, you're sensitive. You're sensitive to God. You're just crying out. You're just, you're longing for, you're hungry for these things. And I just want that for you. I do. If it means in the minds of some that we're old-fashioned, then you can call us old-fashioned. If it means that, well, pastor, you're not speaking the, the contemporary language of the church. Well, maybe that's not. Maybe they need to learn what we're saying. Maybe they, maybe they need to adapt instead of us adapting. Maybe they need to adapt to what we're doing, right? So let's, let's, 
Let's believe God here today. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And let's just worship God for just a moment in our spirits. It's right at noon. It's right at noon today. Father, we just long for the Holy Spirit. 